just a note here, after reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we go back to Acts chapter 20 for one chapter, and then we go to Romans tomorrow according to the schedule I'm following for these devotions. So let's read Acts chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. After encouraging them, he said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. After traveling through that area and speaking many words of encouragement, he arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. And when the Jews formed a plot against him, as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. Paul was accompanied by Sopater, the son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas. And after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we sailed from Philippi, and five days later we joined them in Troas, where we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Since Paul was ready to leave the next day, he talked to them and kept on speaking until midnight. Now there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a certain young man named Eutychus, seated in the window, was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and embraced him. Do not be alarmed, he said. He is still alive. Then Paul went back upstairs, broke bread, and ate. And after speaking until daybreak, he departed. And the people were greatly relieved to take the boy home alive. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos, where we were to take Paul aboard. He had arranged this because he was going there on foot. And when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. Sailing on from there, we arrived the next day opposite Chios. The day after that, we arrived at Samos, and on the following day, we came to Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, because he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I arrived in the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, especially in the trials that came upon me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was helpful to you as I taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and Greeks alike about repentance to God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in town after town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions await me. But I consider my life of no value to me, if only I may finish my course and complete the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus, the ministry of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have preached the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and the entire flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise up and distort the truth 
to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert and remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have ministered to my own needs and those of my companions. In everything I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept openly as they embraced Paul and kissed him. They were especially grieved by his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is God's word. As we read 2 Corinthians, we noted that Paul was coming to Corinth both to collect an offering for the believers in Jerusalem who were suffering, that's according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and also to deal with those who were living in sin in the church at Corinth. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Here in Acts chapter 20, Luke noted that Paul did in fact go to Corinth as he said he would. We see that in verses 1 through 3 here in Acts 20. Paul continued on to Jerusalem, stopping in Philippi, according to verses 3 through 6, and Troas, according to verses 7 through 12. He decided to travel by ship to Jerusalem, and that ship stopped in several places, according to verses 13 through 15. Paul decided not to go back to Ephesus, where he had spent so much time back in Acts 19, but he called for the elders of that church in Ephesus to meet him, according to verses 16 through 38. His meeting with them was emotional because God had told him that he would suffer in Jerusalem. We see that in verses 22 and 23. So he expected that he would not see the Ephesians again. We see that in verse 35 and verse 38. If you had spent several years of fruitful ministry in a city, but believed that you would never go back there again, what would you say to the people you had discipled and mentored and taught? Paul's message, which Luke recorded here in this chapter, is summed up in verse 31. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul knew that the church would face some difficult problems in the days ahead. That's verse 29. So he urged the elders to do the work of shepherding to protect themselves and the flock. That's in verse 28. But what was he getting at when he said, Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. That statement is, in essence, don't forget my teaching and example. When false doctrine comes in, remember what I taught you. Stick to it, because it is God's word. Don't stray from it. That's my paraphrase of what Paul is saying in those verses. And this is truth worth remembering. There's a lot of teaching out there, some that claims to be biblical and Christian, and some that makes no claims to be Christian, but does claim to be true. People sometimes get enamored with new ideas or attracted to big promises to change their lives in some way. If what you are learning is biblical, it will align with what you already know to be true from the scriptures. If it takes you away from the doctrines you learned when you were saved and discipled, however, it's a trap that will hurt your spiritual life, not help it. So evaluate everything, and don't ever forget the gospel 
and the word of God that was taught to you when you first became a believer. Although Paul was deeply concerned about what the church at Ephesus would face, he did not stay there to try to protect the church himself. Instead, he expressed faith in God's own oversight of the church and in God's word. Verse 32 says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's according to the NIV. When people we led to Christ move away, or our children grow up and go out on their own, we can become concerned about the many threats to their spiritual lives that they will encounter. And it's the right thing to be concerned. There are a lot of problems out there. It is good to be concerned then, and to express your concern, and to urge believers you love to watch themselves, just as Paul urged the Ephesians to watch themselves in this chapter. However, it is impossible to control another person, so you can only do so much to try to protect their faith and their doctrine. Instead of being fearful, at some point we must release them and trust God to do what we can't. Paul ended his time with the Ephesian elders with prayer, according to verse 36. And we know from his letters how earnestly he prayed for the spiritual life of all believers and churches. This is the best way to care spiritually for those we cannot be with directly. That is, to pray for God's continued work in their lives, for their protection from sin and from false doctrine, and for God to watch over their spiritual lives. Are you sending a kid off to college soon? Have a young adult child who is moving to a different area to start a new life? Do you know anyone who is leaving our church or another good church, but there's uncertainty about where they will worship? Pray for them. Warn them and express your love for them, sure, but trust God to watch over them and pray daily for them to walk with him. There's really nothing better you can do for another person spiritually. And so I hope that whoever's on your mind when I speak these words is someone you'll take a moment now to pray for and continue to pray for, that the Lord would watch over them and help them grow in their faith. And we'll see you next time.